Live coming to you on 12 Ounce Sports. It's Wednesday, May 27th, up here in the Great White North. How's it going? Cody Jansen with you. Of course, show's brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use promo code 12OZ Sports, and they're going to match that deposit up to $1,000 when you use mybookie.ag. Go and cash those tickets. Might as well get it done. It's the time of year. Sports are finally coming back. And yes, we've got a ton to talk about. So we got the one and only on the line, of course. Adam Ehrmantraut joins me this morning, buddy. How's it going? Not bad, man. How are you doing? Doing good. Can't complain. The weather's been all right. And, you know, it's looking pretty good. So there's golf in the forecast. I'm really not going to complain about that. Um, Let's just jump right into it because... I, I didn't watch the Gary Bettman thing. I listened to it. Was it pretty cringeworthy? Yeah, there's... I don't know. He was, he was, like, cracking some jokes and stuff like that. And, like, obviously off a of script, just, like, thanking people left, right, and center, and then calling the Stanley Cup the most prestigious trophy in sports for the eighth-fifth time. And then, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I think everybody kind of knew what he was going to say anyways, but it wasn't, like some big announcement why like i i don't know why this needed uh i don't know like if you know like why did this need its own press conference why couldn't this have just been released like i feel like this is something like the, the whole draft thing that's a little more confusing but the playoffs could have been like we're doing 24 teams here's how it's gonna be like i feel like it could have been simplified that much more no yeah, no, it, it could have. Like, I don't think it needs to be some big thing, but obviously, like, I'd like to see the, the numbers on it because I don't think anybody's flipped on Sportsnet and how long to watch anything current. So, like, maybe that had something to do with it, but it's just a Zoom call or Skype call for 15 minutes of him talking about pretty much all the stuff that we already knew. Yeah, that sounds about right. It, it didn't seem exactly necessary but what's your thoughts I mean we've kind of known that it's going to be a 24 team format for a while or we've heard about it at least what was your thoughts on actually you know kind of having it confirmed and knowing yes that first round is going to be a best of five you know that they're they're essentially planning to play I get it people are going to be like well you know they, they might not play like this is just their thing they still might actually just cancel the whole season what was your thoughts on kind of seeing the matchups now? Um, I thought four was too much. Me, like I'd, I'd rather like twenty or something, but eventually, um, or like do twenty with like a couple playing games for the like sixteen to twenty as we would, as we kind of suggested that they do regardless. But I don't know. I think. It's interesting with all the phases and stuff, and 
they're talking about how phase two might open up in uh, kind of at the start of June, so that's like in a week. Um, and I, I tweeted that phase two is going to open up, and it's not technically mandatory, but there's you, you know for a fact some of those GMs are going to say to their guys like, "Hey, it's not mandatory, but we really could use you here, and like it's not a very good look if you don't come, right?" Like, I think some GMs are a lot of GMs might try and wiggle that in, and then. I mean the the three week training camp at the start of July, and all the all the rules with that like it's it's gonna be weird and different and you know when you're on like you're on vacation or like you go somewhere and like you're you're meant to be outside you're meant to not be in a hotel room like and you're sitting in the hotel room you're like wow this sucks like I'm laying in bed all day like isn't that gonna be those players for like ten hours or something like in a day like because they can't really do anything right and I guess like they'll have like their room set up with like xbox and ping pong and all that but at the same time like will they even have that set up because you can't touch anything i'm sure that they'll yeah it does make sense there i was like i'm sure that they'll kind of soup up the the hotels and things like that to to a certain standard i don't know if they'll go as far as you know renting out a whole golf course or something like you know there's been a lot of things kind of brought forward but end of the day is you're almost going to have to fully quarantine them, and that's what the players have obviously agreed to, and that's what the players want. And so you, you got to find a way where you can get their families there as well because these guys don't want to be away from their families for two, three months. I think that's just stupid in general. But you also have to keep them entertained outside of the rink, and you, know, you can't be practicing, you can't be playing 24-7, which is why the schedule is going to be interesting. And you brought up the whole afternoon games, which they didn't exactly... I don't think they actually said that they were going to be playing afternoon games just because there's no fans, but it's, it's pretty obvious that you know, you're probably going to want three to four games a day if possible, especially off the start, just so that you can, you know, kind of cruise through that early portion a little bit better. I, I don't know, like, I, you're you're very against the afternoon games. What What's the cutoff then? What's, what's for you going that's too early? Like, is 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock too early? Because for me, I would say that if they're going to start a game at 4 o'clock our time here, Mountain Standard, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I, I don't care. Like, I mean, I'm going to be half-assed tuned into the Carolina Hurricanes and New York Rangers anyways. So start it at four. Whatever. I'll catch the good part. Yeah, like, I, I think that's fine. And, like, uh, I was just, like, kind of thinking yesterday, like, the you can almost look at the, the play-in round and tell and, like, kind of say who's going to be playing the afternoon games and who's going to be getting the big draws at night. Like, I think, like, Nashville and Arizona or New York and – Florida would probably be afternoon games and then like Edmonton Chicago Toronto Columbus because it's Toronto then Pittsburgh Montreal obviously are playing night games right so you can kind of tell and it's it's not like like we're gonna miss I guess like we follow the Oilers closer because we live out here but we're not gonna miss an Oilers game because there's no chance that they're starting the Art Ross winner and the best player in the world at 1pm for nobody to see Exactly, exactly. That's I that's why I think that they can make it, you know, work where they can have four games in a day. I honestly like and not have any overlap. Okay, well maybe there's a little bit of overlap, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's not gonna be crazy. 
they they also brought up a bunch of the hub things. Seven were in the west, three were in the east. If you had to give your two front runners, I know you're you're high on Edmonton, but you know, like, is that one of your front runners, or do you think that there's two that are more likely? Um. Well, apparently Vegas is a lock, so I I, I just think like Vegas, like obviously the hotels and what you could do there. Like nothing, nothing's open there, but like with the hotels and maybe by July or whatever, things are open there. So Vegas, 95% sure that they are one. And then the Canadian ones are kind of tough because it's like, like nobody knows like if you're going to go against the laws here about getting in and 14-day quarantining and stuff like that. So Vegas for sure. Um, and I feel like it'd be something like Columbus or Pittsburgh if you really wanted to go in the east and then yeah vegas for sure though i do remember them saying that it doesn't have to be in the east like they could have two west locations i do think bill daly made his point pretty clear when speaking saying hey the 14-day quarantine in canada if that's mandatory for pro athletes that's going to be a huge deterrent because the 14-day quarantine up here isn't just like you have to be, you know, monitored for 14 days. It's supposed to be like you can't see anyone. You can't be in a room with anyone. And so that is as, as far away from what the NHL wants as possible because then you're going to be bringing these guys in who are, are already rusty from, what are we, two, three months off now? And then you're going to make them sit in a room for another two weeks doing nothing, like getting to work out and stuff. Maybe you get to skate a couple of times. That just yeah. does not make any sense why they would come to Canada. And I get it, you, you know, you brought up the point, well, Edmonton, you know, weather's not that bad in summer. Same thing with Toronto. But that's, that's I think that's the last thing on their mind. You know, they're staying in air-conditioned hotels. A lot of them are used to playing in the south or they're living in the south anyways or, or in a nice area when it comes summertime. So they're not scared, scared of 30 degrees Celsius or 40 degrees Celsius. I don't think that plays a huge factor. Yeah. And just like a, a side note, the, the LA proposal was weird. It was like, Oh, LA still in the running. It's like, nothing's close in LA. And they're, they're big things like, Oh, like a practice facility that's close to the main rink. That's close to hotels. Like, like you're, you're not getting from like, I saw this tweet yesterday. You're not getting from like the Kings practice facility to the Staples Center in two hours sometimes, right? So like that was just weird to see LA on there. But yeah, I feel like it's more of just a a big hub destination where lifestyle thing. Yeah, like maybe guy like I don't know. I I don't even know. Did they ask the players at all where they wanted to go, or was this just teams? cities whatever making their pitch of saying hey we can host it hypothetically i feel like it was the team's bidding because like the players can't be like oh i, I want to go to hell or like <laughs> new york right now right like they can't just be like well it'd be cool to play in new york well it's like well can't really new york's like kind of the epicenter right that's fair that's fair okay there was two teams that voted against the playoff formula to get back to that carolina and tampa bay I don't know if you, you heard or read their excuses. Carolina basically just said, hey, like, you know, we, we thought that we would have a better, or, you know, we, we hope to have a better shot at it and not kind of decrease our chances, which was obviously going to happen if there's a play-in round. Well, they, they went 0-4 against the Rangers. Yeah, well, that's, that's a whole other story. That was another jot note I had. But then Tampa Bay said, 
well, it's unfair to us because now these teams that are playing the play-in round, the winner is going to be sharper than them. Like, did, did you agree with their points? Do you think they're kind of just complaining to hear themselves? And, like, do you, I mean, should the NHL take any of their – or should they have taken any of their complaints validly? Um, well, the Carolina one is kind of weird, though, because they made the – they made a trade with the Rangers this year for uh, Brady Shea and – I guess they went 0-4, but it's kind of a crapshoot, right? Like, you're the, the sixth-ranked team playing the 11th-ranked team. Like, you shouldn't be worried about that, right? And I said the same thing with Oilers fans or Penguins fans being like, oh, we got to worry about Patrick Kane or Carey Price. It's like, look, if you're the better team, it should show over five games, like, a little different with Carey Price. But, like, if Oilers are worried about Patrick Kane single-handedly beating them in a series, then, like, you're probably not too confident in your team, but... Yeah, Tampa, I don't know. Like they, It's not like it's going to matter. They, they might get swept again anyways, so I don't know. Like, Why wouldn't like Boston complain, right? They were so far ahead of everybody winning the President's Trophy, and they pretty much could be the fourth-ranked team in their own, own conference, right? So like, if anybody had a right to complain, it was Boston, but Tampa's just kind of being the, the talkative team, I guess. I feel that... I don't know if mature is the right word to use, but I feel like Boston's obviously, they, they've been there, they've done that, and so they're kind of just like, you know, whatever, throw whatever at us. We know that at the end of the day, this is probably the least of their worries. You know, if, you, if you're scared, if you're Tampa Bay and you are scared of playing Carolina in the second round or Florida, whoever, whoever they would be matched up against at the end of the day, if that's what you're worried about, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup. There is so many bigger fish to fry. I get it. That's the first step on the journey. But if that's what you're losing sleep of, like of over at night, no, no, it's that. That's the Tampa Bay mentality, um, as Biz calls them, mental midgets. But like, it, it seriously is the case where if if I could have picked a team who I knew would complain about this playoff formula, Tampa Bay would have been number one. Like, I, yeah. anyone would have just been like, if there's going to be one team who throws a fit, one team who complains, it's going to be Tampa Bay. Yeah, because John John Cooper is a bit of a philosopher, and he overanalyzes everything, and he, yeah, I don't know. I, and there's that, and then, you know, you, you talk about their big boys not getting it done, and then they just wanted to seem, seem to use kind of every excuse that they could uh, when it got to it, so we'll see what happens, though. That's fair. Moving along, I don't know if you can give me the spark notes of the draft. I honestly don't think anyone really can. But why do these play-in teams need a shot at the lottery? Like, what's, you know, if there's seven teams out of the playoffs, why don't we just let them go for the lottery and kind of the extra, the play-in teams, like, say, screw up. You have a chance at the Stanley Cup. Like, I, I don't see the reasoning for allowing those teams a shot at the draft lottery or whatever they're actually doing. Yeah, I agree. Like, what, like you'd assume seven teams would be enough, right? Like, if you're the eighth-ranked team or if you're, like, Montreal or Pitt or... Um, Chicago, like, does it really matter? Like, you have a 
five or six percent chance of getting the first overall pick. Ottawa has a twenty-five. Like, I don't think we need to go into a phase one and a phase two of this and that. Um, at the same time, though, like it's ridiculous. Last year, that the Rangers and the Blackhawks win the lottery, right? Like the the two two of the league's like top five most powerful teams go from tenth or eleventh to winning the lottery. So it's it's almost a broken system as it is. But for those lottery teams, like they're they're probably not going to play a game for for nine or ten months, right? Like they they finish at the start of March and they're not going to play again until January first of next year. Do you have a system in mind? Like, I don't need some, you know, TED talk here, but do you have a system in mind that you think would make more sense for the NHL to adopt for that? Like, like, are you a fan? I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about like a play-in system where like you actually have to play for that first overall pick. Like, is that something that you think would be beneficial to the game versus, you know, just kind of putting a bunch of balls in a container and hoping for the best, or do you, like, I, I don't know, where do you fall on this? Um, the play-in system, no, because, like, if I'm, like, Trevor Daly or Ron Hainsey, I'm not going to be like, oh, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to block a shot here so we can maybe get the first overall pick for a team that I'm not going to be on in two years. So, like, that, like that's hard to, like, get guys to be like, yeah, like, let's go and get this guy we know nothing about who's... 18 years old I liked I like the idea and I don't think it really has a chance at working but basically by the time you get eliminated from the playoffs or by the time you can't clinch anymore you try and like it's a points percentage thing so like if Detroit was out of the playoffs in I don't know January this year then they start playing towards a first overall pick and try and get the highest points percentage right but like it, it has to be like it's hard to like prorate that I guess yeah, but then what happens if a team gets eliminated with two games left and they win both of those? Well, then, then they're not. There there would have to be like a fifteen game cutoff where it's like you have to be out with fifteen games left. Because if that team's like eliminated with two games left, then they're probably like the thirteenth or fourteenth team, anyways, right? But D- Detroit's going to be eliminated at Christmas time, and then you know when it comes, you know, fifteen games left. I just feel like that's that's such a Unfair yeah, it'd, advantage. It'd be super hard to yeah to dictate, but I'd I'd rather that than like telling guys like hey like you got to go to this tournament and play for, for a, a player that isn't going to help you for two years. Here's my thing: is I would I would set it up. You've got your bottom six teams, and so you're essentially playing for a spot. So you'd have the very last place playing the second last place. You'd have the last place team hosting. It's a one game thing. One game, winner take all. You know, they get the home ice advantage. They get the fans, you know, albeit it's not this season in front of empty ranks. And it's kind of just, you win, you get the first overall pick. You lose, you get the second overall pick. Same thing for third and fourth. Same thing for fifth and sixth. I mean, if you're going to tell me that the NHL can't make more revenue off that than a stupid draft lottery that they're going to be putting on TV for, you know, five people to watch... I don't know. I, I don't believe it. I, I think that that's, uh, you know, I would assume that the players would be happy for that because the, those extra games that are making decent revenue, that means less escrow or whatever they got to pay. So th- there's got to be a way for them to 
fix it because it is a broken system. I am not a fan of that at all. But I got to ask you because yeah. obviously that, that – oh, you got something to say on the draft still? No, I was just, just going to say like from a player standpoint, like if you asked guys who are on like fringe playoff teams, if they could trade their first-round pick for like a player that would help them, they would all say yes. Like they'd be like, yeah, like I want to win now. Like who cares about the draft and all that? Of course, of course. No, um, so obviously that playoff bracket uh, kind of blew up there. That was uh, just, you know, something kind of did in the morning. Didn't think it was going to be that uh, big of a deal. Everyone was freaking out. Maybe people forgot. I did actually pick Philly to win it at the start of the year. I forget who you had to pick in the start of the year. I was going to go back and then I realized. I Dallas. Okay, that's maybe not the best look in the world, but... Hey, I mean, it is what it is. I, I still think, man, the Flyers got screwed because they were the hottest team in the NHL without a cold, like, no questions asked coming into this little pause and break. And so, yeah, they're going to get screwed, but I still think that they've got an opportunity where if they get hot, they'll be fine. I really think with that stupid four-division leader reseeding, that's going to be massive. As to like, I, I don't know if they're going to reseed after each round, but that could be huge to see who goes. Because if Toronto finds a way to avoid Boston, maybe they make a run. Like me, like there, there's just so many unanswered questions. But hey, we did bring this up as our what's nutrition and performance question of the day. Go check out WNP Great Recipes, workout plans, everything you need, even from home during quarantine. WNP's got you covered. Go check out what's nutrition and performance. And our question of the day. Adam, who's your Stanley Cup pick today? Like, I mean, we, we know the bracket. We know which 24 teams have a chance. And so if you got to pick one that says, hey, I can see them lifting a Stanley Cup in front of an empty arena, who are you going with? That's such a tough question because, like, at least, like, eight guys per team are showing up out of shape, right? Like, none of these guys are really – working out or have access to gym so it's kind of a crap shoot right now um i'll just go safe and go with washington because i think that they uh they they set the tone on and off the ice in the league i think so let's go with washington because if you look at Ovi, like i don't know if it matters if he's 270 or 230 like i think like he's still still gonna score and i think that once if holby kind of gets her going they they could get hot do you not think that team chemistry has a plays an even bigger role now that these these guys have been separated for so long? Like, do you, do you think that the teams that are close, which I feel Philadelphia is a very close knit group, just you know the the way that guys like Hayes, Hart, like you know they they talk about each other, they seem like they're all very good friends. Do you think that? plays a major role when these teams come back and kind of gelling versus I'm not going to say that there's any Chell teams with little high school clicks going on but like there, there is there, it's a known fact there's any Chell teams who don't get along as good as others whether that is due to contract negotiations guys egos guys being assholes like you know there, there's little things like that where I feel a close-knit team like a Washington like a Philadelphia probably has even st louis too that's why i got them i see i don't see any reason why they couldn't go back to the cup like i i feel like teams that have bonded together as an actual group have a way better chance of making noise 
coming back from quarantine. Yeah, like, I mean, that definitely helps, but at the same time, like, I think hockey's hockey at the end of the day. Like, you're not, like, looking up, um, like, if you see a guy that you don't like, it's not like you're not going to pass him the puck, right? Like, you might not talk to him off the ice, and you talk, you hear about everything, like, or you see, like, Malkin and Phil Kessel screaming at each other on the bench, but, and, like, honestly, maybe they did hate each other off the ice, but on the ice, they they played well together, so we probably read into that more than we do, where it's like, oh, these guys said they liked each other, like, that means that they, that they're bonded or something, but, like, at the end of the day, I think it's just, like, hockey's hockey type of thing. I just feel like the players who, you know, maybe they're going into their UFA status, not going to name names here, but, you know, if there's certain guys who you just know are not checked in, like, you know, maybe they're not re-signing, that's a guarantee, or maybe they're just wanting to get to the offseason and kind of get their payday, I feel like that is yeah, going to cause a little bit of a problem. you still got to perform to get your payday. Yeah, for, for some of it. Yeah. I, I still think that, you know, in a case of maybe a guy like Taylor Hall, if he performs, he gets, what, $8 million? If he doesn't perform, he gets, what, 6 7 <laughs> Even if he doesn't, somebody's still going to be like, oh, this guy won a heart trophy three years ago, like... I don't know. I, that's why. That's why I said, like, does it doesn't matter that much that he has this this extravagant playoff? No, I really don't think it does. I think that either way, he's still going to get a, a a very solid payday with a lot of term behind it. And so, if if he's kind of like, well, Arizona didn't work out, and I don't see this team going anywhere. He, I mean, he's going to go set himself up in L.A. or wherever Anaheim, wherever he wants to be. Like, you know, as his retirement home almost. You know, because he'll be signing a seven-year deal. I think I think um, a guy who it actually might matter for is Tyson Berry because, like, he had a pretty brutal start to the year and Toronto fans seemed to hate him and he wasn't even on their power play. Like, I think for him to show that he can still play and play at a high level, like, in this, like, two-month playoffs or month playoffs, like, I think it matters for him more than it matters for for Taylor Hall. And we will get you on to break down the series. We'll go one by one uh, eventually. We will get that because I think that there's a actually there's some very good first round matchups here. I'm not gonna lie, like you know, Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Chicago, like those are actual legitimate series where it's such a shame that you don't get to you know see Rogers place bump and see the saddle dome going. It, it it actually makes me like a little sad inside to know that we're not going to get authentic playoff hockey. But if that's your main reason for putting an asterisk beside this season, I mean, you're such an idiot. Like there's, there's been seasons that have had like 40 regular season games and you're not going to put an asterisk by that. Like shut up. If that's your reasoning, Couple of answers on that WNP question of the day. Uh, Rando says Edmonton. Jenny Wren says Washington. So she agrees with you on that one. I'm not exactly sold. Adam, we're going to close off with this because uh, you had a few, I wouldn't call them harsh words, but you, you had some strong opinions on Buffalo and Jason, Jason Botterill in particular. Yeah. 
I don't even know how that came about. Like, did they announce that they're keeping him around, or yeah, what? What really set like, you off? There was like a, a Buffalo reporter who I guess was well connected and and said that he's returning. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like kind of like a like I I don't really know. Like he didn't really have a plan um, going into to this season. Like he he hired Ralph Krueger as a coach and. I mean, guys, guys love him, but he hadn't been a coach for for a couple of years. And anybody with a set of eyes who's watched hockey before probably could have told you that giving Jeff Skinner anywhere over six or seven million was going to be a mistake, and he gave him nine, and he had fourteen goals and twenty three points this year. Um, and then, like the the middle stat pick was the middle stat pick wasn't a bad one, but they rushed him into it, like. He was playing games way too early, and they didn't really get, develop him because they're just like, oh, like we need a second line center. So, yeah, it's it's this nineteen year old kid who's one hundred and sixty five pounds. That's our our second line. It was like Zemgis Gergensen's this year, and then he traded for Brendan Montour, and he traded for Colin Miller, and who are the, the, almost the exact same player signed Carter Hutton who's obviously not a number one but he was expecting him to be and then signed Marcus Johansson this year and all of a sudden he was like their second line center and he hadn't played it since apparently Washington but like obviously he's not a centerman and yeah it was just and obviously the O'Reilly trade which I thought was a little earlier but he got a pretty brutal return considering what O'Reilly did once he he found a way to like hockey again so it's weird, but I mean, the owners in Buffalo—they're—they're they're talking about some some money issues with them because they're still paying off how many coaches and GMs still. Isn't it the Pagulas in Buffalo? Yeah. Oh, they've got. Yeah. I I think I think they'll they'll be all right money wise. I, I think that they've they've got a couple of B's there for billionaire, but that's I mean, well, they funded all of Penn State and they're going to keep funding them. Adam, I got to ask you. I know you got to get out of here. But obviously, you know, there's been a lot of university college teams being cut. Alabama, Huntsville, pretty much the, the most recent. Unless they raise like half a million bucks by Friday. Don't really see that happening. Lethbridge has got cut. You're a little bit more connected to that side than, than I am, I would say. Like, is this going to be something that's more common? Like, how, like do you expect to see more college teams even down to the junior level folding because of how this quarantine's affecting them for not being able to host camps for for these universities not being able to recruit properly like little things like that like from your perspective do you see this happening a lot more in the next you know few months maybe a bit like there's i think there's a couple like smaller market teams or universities that that can't can't do it and this it's it's weird though, because this was here for the kind of Canada West to, to get those like what was it like Nate and Trinity Westerns and I think Grant McEwen, Grant McEwen not Nate like that like, go into the oh sorry yeah they're all gonna go into the like the actual U Sports League instead of their I guess like second level league so I think that that was a good idea to begin with but at the time like those are smaller market schools and and even here the uh, the University of Saskatchewan built like a thirty-five million dollar rink, and I think they've been it for been in it for two years, and they, they can't use it this entire year because it's a it's a hospital thing now, and 
they spent money renovating it, so now they're going to have to play their games at Saskatel Center or in Prince Albert or in Melfort, so you're not getting getting the gate that you would like. Students are free, but there's still some older older people that, that are paying. So it's definitely a hit, but at the same time, like the the Western Hockey League scholarship program is a bigger thing, and like those those teams pay, for it, I guess. But it's still you're not making any. You're probably losing money at the end of the day, but a lot of these deep pocket universities can afford it. Aren't all university teams losing money? Like I, I don't who would, who would actually make money? Like with all the travel that U of S does, all the flying around places like that, there's no way they make money. Even I, I would say U of S is probably one of the most profitable ones outside of I, I don't know like New Brunswick maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like I guess like them getting back to back three thousand person sellouts in the finals like that probably pays some of the bills but with all the with all the stuff they get like i don't i don't know like how profitable like ubc flies everywhere so it's like hard to see that making making a ton of money either so i don't know it's it, it's poorly marketed everywhere right like like university hockey and you degree that's some of the best hockey like it's twice as good as junior hockey right so i don't know it's it's hard to to see why people don't support it more, but it just seems like they don't. They kind of get screwed over with the whole free students or cheap students as well, where your ticket prices now, like having 3,000 is great, but how many of those are yeah. paid tickets? You know, there's there's little things like that that people really don't think about. And I, I, I don't know, like I, I fear for the whole, the, the hockey world in general, because, you know, if, if you can't have fans, if you can't have camps, if you can't, you know, recruit players properly have students on campus there is i get it, there's a lot of bigger issues out there but you know it's going to be a, an interesting and winter coming up and a lot of the these owners like they own like a hotel chain or a restaurant business or or car dealerships or something like that like nobody's spending money at those places right now either so like they're losing money there then that means they lose money with their junior team also. Or like they don't have like as much to support it. That's totally fair. I'll let you send off on this because I, I don't agree with it and I'll touch on it after the break. But you are fine with the NHL canceling this season and you think that they're gonna be coming back in the fall for October because I don't see that happening. I see I don't see fans coming back into stadiums until twenty twenty one at the earliest. Yeah, like, I think the, the vaccine thing's probably the, the biggest, like, um, just, I think once people are in the building, like, you could fill up, like, a half, but at the same time, it's like, how do you get them all in and out, right? Like, we went to Roger's place, and they have one entrance there, right? They got, like, two. Yeah, so, like, you know, like you're just going to have 8,000 people standing in line in that little hall in area or whatever, but... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. There you go. Adam Ehrman Strout, our guest. Buddy, thanks for joining us as always after the break. Nate's going to come on. we got more playoff and draft talk. This is World Hockey Report coming to you live on 12-Ounce Sports. <laughs> Thank you.
Hockey Report live coming to you on 12 Ounce Sports Wednesday, May 27th, 941 local time here. Thanks for tuning in on 12 Ounce Sports, your home for sports talk, radio, live sports action. Plenty of stuff. Hey, they are getting live sports back up and running. Got baseball back on next month. That'll be exciting. Not really sure where the cross is at at this point. It's definitely not looking promising for the area and probably not looking promising with no fans in the stands. So not really sure if that will even be coming back to 12-ounce sports this summer. But end of the day, as we just cross our fingers, hope for the best. There's definitely bigger issues out there in the world right now. Joined on the line. Said we were going to come on. And yes, he is back to talk some NHL draft because, man, for one, like the, the whole draft formula lottery was so confusing yesterday. But two, being someone who follows the sins, like that, this must this must choke you up a little bit that you've got two first, like two high first round picks, and they're giving these play-in teams who have a chance at the Stanley Cup a shot at taking away those spots, essentially. Like, I mean, Matt Nafe's our guest here. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Nafe. But, buddy, what's your thoughts right away? We might as well get into it. Oh, I have lots of thoughts, and uh, we don't have a lot of time to get through them. <laughs> but uh, initially, uh, I hate it. <laughs> uh, plain and simple. Um, strictly speaking, a team that has the opportunity to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs with these playoff play-in series should not have an opportunity to get the first overall pick. No question. And, like, just the way I see it, the Edmonton Oilers are a team that are in the playoffs, and they should be in the playoffs. They, they you know, they the point percentage shows that they should be in the playoff spot. They're they're ranked fifth. They lose out to the Chicago Blackhawks, which I don't see happening. But they lose out to the Chicago Blackhawks, and then they have an opportunity to get one, two, or three out of those lottery picks. And then are you telling me that the NHL fan base as a whole isn't going to absolutely implode if the Oilers win another first overall pick. It's it's insanity. And from a sense standpoint, I mean, I'm not completely complaining because the worst we can pick is 5-6. I mean, odds are the players you're going to get at 5-6 are a guy like Lucas Raymond, Marco Rossi, uh, you know, Jamie Drysdale could drop down. Oh, I'd be uh, pissed. I mean, you're like you're going to say, like, oh, it's not the worst thing, but it's terrible. It's brutal. If you're not going to get, like, I get it. Detroit's, you know, they're 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 up there for the Lafreniere yeah. and stuff. But like, if if you're not getting Lafreniere, Byfield, or Stutzla, like, if you yeah. don't get any of those three, and you're the Ottawa Senators or the Detroit Red Wings, like. You are going to have someone sh- like someone's going to put a hit on Gary Bettman. You know, like it, that's it, how it mad they're going to no be. No sense to me that that they. It almost looked like a done deal that the NHL draft was going to occur in June. The draft lottery was going to be for the first overall pick. That's it, and whoever won the lottery moves up four spots. I would have been okay 
if they said, this is what we're doing, the worst Ottawa could have picked was 3-4. Odds are they were going to pick 2-3. That would have been a dream scenario. And as soon as every Ottawa Sens fan heard that, they said it's too good to be true, it's not going to happen. What do you think happened? (laughs) Now you have teams that complained that they were not getting the ability to get into the draft lottery. But at that time, when that rumor came out, there was still the idea of a 2014 playoff format. They have the ability to play into the playoffs. And you have teams that are saying, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Or whatever that saying is. I was close enough. Yeah, something to that effect. But, like, it's basically saying, like, I want to win, but I also want to lose. Like, it's it's BS. And, and now you have a team who... Detroit is arguably one of the worst teams I've ever seen put together on paper and on the ice. They're not Jimmy pretty. Howard, terrible goalie. What? Just, not, just, not, not great. Not great. No. And then you have a, a team that Tyler Bertuzzi was your all-star. Like, I mean, sure, Dylan Larkin is like, is a good player, but maybe he's like a second-line center on a really good team. Like, that team needs help. And, like, in all honesty, they probably should be getting the first overall pick. If I'm a Sens fan, I'm not cut up about the fact that they get the first overall pick by default because they're trash. <laughs> no, and it's fair. Are. It's it's fair. And, it's... and the draft was completely ruined by the Edmonton Oilers being god-awful and not having a lick of an idea how to draft properly and not how to make it and making a team. Like, I don't think Ken Holland is that good a GM, but he's miles better than what Peter Shirelli did. And, and even before that, Craig McTavish, are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't take much to beat. Yeah. And, and even Buffalo to an extent, like they've, how many times have they missed the playoffs and then had, needed to take a a nine straight yeah nine years of being bad hey the oilers haven't made it 12 of the last 13 i mean everyone wants to talk about how great things are now but let's not remember like the past dozen has just been you know a bunch of pissed off people up here it's a totally different environment that now they're good I mean, they, they could care less about the draft lottery, honestly. Like, that's the last yeah. thing on people's minds here. Yeah. Now they're going to complain about the playoff format, which whatever, yeah. that's a totally different thing. But let's not forget, if you're an Oilers fan, the draft lottery has saved this franchise. Yeah. Completely. You lucked, at, like, you, you lucked out on a historically bad year of the Buffalo Sabres, and you still got a first overall pick. <laughs> I mean, they got Jack Eichel, who is arguably one of the best consolation prizes in draft history. He is so good, and the Buffalo Sabres are going to ruin him. Remember when people and, thought that Jonathan Drewen should go over Nathan McKinnon? 
Yeah, that's, uh, that's. I just love looking back at old drafts and thinking like, what so could good. have been. Nathan McKinnon's so good. Oh my god! But I, like the the Blackhawks, let's be real, people are not beating the Oilers. There's not a chance. Corey Crawford is washed. They don't have Robin Leonard as their backup, who should have been their starter. So like, and and they like, oh Patrick Kane, who do they have? Connor McDavid, like. The guy could skate around the fastest players like it's nothing. I really so, didn't want to get into breaking down the series, but since you brought it up, I gotta, I gotta say, you, there has to be a little bit of doubt in your mind. Thinking young team, little playoff experience, they've been quarantined for two months versus a veteran team of Chicago who's you know been there, done that, knows how playoffs works, and knows how. I mean, it's a it's a best of five series. It's short. You only got to win three games. You know, like like I'm not saying that Taves, Kane, DeBrincat, Strom, Kubalik, Doc, like you know those guys aren't exactly making you shaking your boots, but it's making you think twice. Where if Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl get off to a slow start. That's a little scary. If the Oilers don't get consistent goaltending, that's yeah. a little scary. Like I'm not saying that Corey Crawford is, you know, flat out gonna outplay Miko Koskinen or Mike Smith. Yeah, he's got a Stanley Cup. I mean, rings really make a difference, and and anything can happen. It's hockey, and now you you shorten the series. Ugh, I mean, you're not sitting comfortably if you're an Oilers fan. Like you're not exactly. You shouldn't be worried per se. Yeah. But you shouldn't be penciling yourself in for that first round of playoffs. I I genuinely think that that the Oilers can sweep the Blackhawks. <laughs> Fair, hey, I, it could. I, I, I it don't could. have much faith in the in the current state of the Blackhawks. But if there's one series that I think the uh, the team that's not in the actually there's two the team that's not in the playoffs can beat the team in the playoffs. First is the Florida Panthers over the Islanders. Yeah, no question. Um, because uh, the Islanders, since the Pajot trade, have lost every single game. Oh. Just wanted to put that out there. Whoa, whoa, is that some shade being thrown at JG or no? No, I love Pajot. He's okay, great. But okay. But I'm just saying, like, I think, I think that's a little shade. by some really good goaltending. <laughs> um, and I think the Rangers could beat the Carolina Hurricanes. People were losing it online when I said it. I, I mean, Shostorkin. It's the same. is so. He's a game breaker. It's the same is, thing as Carter Hart, Matt Murray, yep. Jordan Bennington. These are goalies. They're they're usually pretty young. I don't actually know how old Shostorkin is, but they don't have a scouting report on them. Not enough players have yep. placed them. You can't go off video in the KHL. Like even it's just it's such a different dynamic yep. where. I, I really don't care how much confidence Carolina thinks they have from last season in the playoffs. A, a, a hot goalie. That's how I pick my series. That's how Montreal has an honest chance against Pittsburgh because I get it. You might hate Carey Price, but his quality start percentage is still up there in the top five. So, you know, if, if a goalie gets hot, anything can happen. It's the playoffs. It's NHL. And now you've shortened that series by two games. Like, yeah. like I mean... Don't count anything. I think I think all of the matchups in the East are up in the air. I, I personally I think Pittsburgh will roll over the Habs just because I mean 
like as a Sens fan, Carey Price, like we are his kryptonite. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've seen him play a couple good games against the Sens. And this isn't to say that Carey Price isn't like arguably a top three goalie in the league. Like he's had some bad years, but he's been playing on some bad teams. I really like Carey Price. I just, I mean, Pittsburgh has some quality guys. So, and Sidney Crosby in the playoffs is money. <laughs> but I mean, the the Jackets and the the Leafs, like that. That's a that could be a close series because, like, I really like Merzlikens. That guy has the ability to, you know do the exact same thing that we talked about, like Shishchirkin. So I think all of the matchups in the East are are interesting, whereas the West, there's a little more uh, clarity of who I think would win. I don't know if I agree with that fully, but okay, we, fair, we, fair we will get into that on our 12-ounce sports playoff special. That's going to be uh, coming up. I'm sure we'll get you on to, to break down a few of those, especially the goaltending matchups, because I always mm. find that you know we, we can get in-depth on those a lot. And before I ask you about our Wits Nutrition and Performance question of the day, I'm going to tell everyone, go check out 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Big mini catalog got released now. There's some unbelievable T-shirts. Golf uh, shirts. Yeah, like, great. Like, yeah, yeah. So Nafe even says so. So, hey, if you need <laughs> some new swag for golf, then go check it out. 12 ounceSportsRadio.com. Free shipping on orders over 50 or 60 bucks. I don't have that in front of me, so I probably just blew it, but whatever. 12LZSportsRadio.com. <laughs> go check it out. Go get yourself a new shirt. Support the station that supports us. World Hockey Report coming to you live. It's May 27th. Matt Nafe, our guest. Well, we've already been breaking down the playoff bracket, so I might as well ask you, it's our WNP question of the day. Nafe, I mean, we need a cup champion. Uh I don't like it, but... um, Man, Philadelphia looked really good. They were unbelievable. They They were the hottest team. really, really good. (laughs) Claude Drew, good Ottawa boy, Carter Hart. Uh, you know, future Vesna winner, uh, Ivan Provrov. They got they got everything. I I th- I like Philadelphia's chances. I do too. And everyone was blowing it up. I mean, I'm sure you seen the bracket, man. Guys, I were, saw the people, bracket. People were going wild about it. I couldn't figure it out. Like I, I didn't think it was that unreasonable. Everyone's like, oh, every single one of your first round predictions are wrong. And I, I was like, okay, like one, like, I mean, I, I'm not going to trust the advice of someone with 22 followers on Twitter, but you know, <laughs> give me a break to say, oh, my predictions are wrong. Like, come on, come on. Like, let's be realistic here. Yeah. I, I, I didn't just randomly place teams here. I think about who's going to, like, who's had playoff success, who's got the goaltending, who's going to be coming out of quarantine, you know, in my opinion, in the best condition. And, and that's why I think, as you talked about, a hot goaltender can change a series, whether that's Merz Lincoln's in Columbus, Shostorkin yep. with the Rangers, Price, whether that's David Riddick with the Flames. Over If he can outplay Connor Hellbuck, the Flames have a chance. Like there, There's I'll... those little things like that that people don't think about. They just go, oh, who finished highest in scoring? Who's got Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid on their team? Like, hey, I'll there's a little bit this. more. Look for the edge on with, with teams that have a European goaltender. No. Because they are training right now. 
<laughs> that is that's fair, man. I, I I was just about to lose it on you until you made the most valid point. Their rinks are open. They're skating. Yep. They're they're buzzing Their around rinks. out there. Yep, exactly. Damn. Okay, Nave drops a bomb to close <laughs> off the episode. Who's got the most Europeans on their team then right now? I don't I don't even know in the NHL. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's New York, the Rangers. Yeah, I guess. Are, are they all back home or did they stay in the States? Like, I don't know. I know Lundqvist went back home. Gorgiev went back home. Kako went back home. I'm not sure on Zibanejad. Uh, they, you know, they also have... Uh, you just DJing it up. Yeah. Oh, that also, funny story, started in Ottawa at, like, some of the smaller clubs. That's hilarious. So, yeah, I mean, that's where he... I, oh, God, what a bad trade. Career <laughs> start in Ottawa. Yeah, I miss him. <laughs> that's going to do it for another edition of World Hockey Report on 12-Ounce Sports. Matt Nafe, buddy, thanks for jumping on the show. Of, Anytime. Like, uh, uh, of Anytime. course, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You drop a few bombs. And, yes, I mean, NHL playoffs, they're coming back, or play-ins at least in July. I'm banking on it. Like, you know, they say training camps, start of July, that's their middle of whatever. You know, there, there's going to be hockey games in July and August. I'm, I'm very confident of that. It's not going to look the same. It might even put you to sleep watching Carolina play in front of an empty rink. But, hey, it's still hockey. I mean, I'm not going to be someone who complains about the best game in the world. Fair enough. That's going to do it. Alrighty, wrapping things up, World Hockey Report. You know what? I don't, I don't even know. Next week... I can't even think off the top of my head who our guests are, but we'll let you know. Follow us on Twitter at WorldHockeyRPT. Pete's Power Plays is up next. See you next week. Same place, same time, 12-ounce sports.